Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. All right, we're back with another episode of Stoke the Fire. This is a special number, episode 40. This one is Jesse. As always, we're your host, Matt Stocks, Jesse Leach, from across the pond. How you doing, dude? I'm good. I'm actually just super excited for today's guest. Uh, I've been listening to him for the past two days, binging him, and uh, I couldn't be more excited to to talk to this man and just pick his brain and let him spread his incredible knowledge and wisdom. So yeah, I'm excited, man. More than I've been for a while for this podcast. Well, usually this is actually a first for Stoke the Fire because usually our guests are either somebody I know somebody you know or somebody we both know this is the first time in 40 episodes that we've had on a guest aside from listeners the listeners obviously we don't know but that's kind of its own unique thing but this is the first time we've had on a guest that neither of us know um and the the reason i was kind of switched on to this man stephen machat uh is i was sent his book by a publicist friend of mine called matt reynolds a good guy good friend and he's always switching me on to great guests for my podcast life in the stocks and he sent me this book and i was reading it and it's you know it's stacked with rock and roll stories um he's kind of had firsthand very memorable encounters with everybody from james brown to shug knight to michael jackson ozzy osbourne the list goes on and on and on and on and on but as it gets towards the end of the book you kind of feel this spiritual awakening taking place and so then i kind of jumped in like you've done and listened to Stephen on a bunch of podcasts and it was almost hard to believe it was the same man um that's not to take anything away from this book like if you want just a rock and roll memoir this is an amazing book but it just sounds to me and i'm sure we're about to find out when we bring him on that he's on a totally different quest to many people in the music industry uh, he started out as kind of an entertainment lawyer artist manager film producer done all kinds of things within the industry but it seems like he's just a, a kind of a warrior and a revolutionary of sorts right jesse and when i sent his name to you and you checked him out i could feel the excitement coming off the text you were like this guy is brilliant i cannot wait to get him on so i haven't seen you this excited in a while either yeah it just like i had said at the top of this before we even got on camera i just feel less alone in this world people think i'm crazy for a lot of the things i think and my thirst for truth and knowledge over anything um yeah so i think we should just bring this guy on let's get to it man let's get let's get down and dirty let's do it steven Machat. steven turn your camera on join us on the show and let's get deep my friend all right as long as we could see the light let's go down love yeah. it like that that's cool that's good <laughs> so jesse where would you like to start my friend where because there's so much to unpack here and i know this is going to be probably one of many appearances from Stephen. i can feel like he will be if he wants to if he enjoys himself today i'm sure he'll become a recurring guest on this show 
anywhere in particular you'd like to focus to start us off, Jesse, or indeed you, Stephen? Is there anything you'd like to say off the back of our intro? Yeah, yeah, just one thought for you. Remember that darkness cannot withhold the light. There's nothing that can seal you from light, be you internal or external, your external light or your internal light. And it's amazing because if you go into your internal light, you could start seeing like if you're an owl, you could see through the night. There's always light. Never let yourself enter the realm of darkness. Go to the light. And on that note, we'll go in the clockwork orange land with you or zebra <laughs> land, whatever. Let's go. I'm ready. Well, stoke the fire. Yeah, I mean, we started this show to try and help stoke people's fires around the world. You know, in the middle of the pandemic, we were both sat in our own respective lockdown um, caves thinking, what can we do to contribute something that's positive and shine a light out into the world in this dark and uncertain time and, you know, try and combat the division and the unrest and the a lot of the fear and the hatred that we see going on. So that was very much our quest with this show from day dot. Um, and so, you know, when I became aware of the the writing you've been doing, the the kind of work you've been doing, the gospel and the knowledge you've been spreading, it was just, I think, a match made in heaven, wasn't it, Jesse? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, what's been a huge eye-opening thing, especially this past year and a half, going on two years, is um, something that I've been striving for for a long time, deprogramming myself from the way I was raised, from, you know, the uh, historical stuff we've been told in schools all these things and really just my thirst and quest for truth and, and actual wisdom and understanding and it just seems like you are on that path on a, some whole other trajectory and that's the first thing that drew me into what you do um so i think for me let's just jump right into it what started you on this quest of like really just peeling back the layers of, of the matrix and finding this wealth of knowledge that you now have, where did that all begin? It all began when I decided to come back to planet earth. I believe you have a choice. My new book is all about it. It will be out right around Christmas time. It's called, we got to get out of this place. And in this book, I teach you, you entered a matrix. You, who are you? You're a consciousness. When you came in here, you, you fell into a body. You know, and when you fall into this body, you wake up and you start crying like, I'm not free. I can't fly around. I can't move. Why am I stuck in this body? Why do I have limitations? And then what you do is you don't know what body you got. That's potluck. You know, and you need to learn. It's not you. You're not your body. Your body is the car that you fell into. And unlike if I go out and buy a motor car, I get a book on how to use my car. You're never taught how to use your body. You're never taught that when your body dies and it does die, it has a limited warranty. The longest you could pretty much live is 120 earth years, 120 rotations around the earth. Your body wears off. No one understands that this, while we're standing still, the three of us, you in New York, he in England and me down here in Florida, the three of us are moving through space. This planet rotates and it goes around clockwise. And if you're under the equator, we think it's counterclockwise, but it's clockwise if you're under the equator. We follow the sun around the universe. The sun goes counterclockwise. It goes left. So you're sitting here learning how to stay in a mo rotation, in a motion, going this way. If you ask people to get up and turn around, to swirl around, 
most people will turn right. That's why those that turn left are dangerous. Most of everything we know is philosophically created. And going directly, I'm going to attack your question. I knew I was, I knew there was an issue. Because once, you know, I, I speak with spirit. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to deny it. I don't care if you think I'm nuts. I am. I came back here. Why did I come back to a planet that tells you there's love and all there is is hate? Why, why do we live in a world where we don't feed everybody? Why do we live in a world where we only tell you what you need to know so we get you to perform and you obey and you keep doing what the controllers want to do? My whole life was circled around me being able to get into the consciousness of people, A, and B, to get into that consciousness I had to know people. So what better than music? So yeah, I chose a man named Marty Mishat. Who was Marty Mishat? My father was a, a lawyer that was dealing in the music industry, and dad was perfect. Maybe we knew each other from the beyond. You know, I still speak with him, and you could, whatever. I'm telling you the truth. You could speak to different energies. You never die. All you listeners, listen to me. You don't die. Your energy. And the only time you'll ever die is when you reach absolute zero, which is in my book. You will never read absolute zero. And I'm clapping my hands because once that energy exists, once a thought exists, you're back, baby. Welcome back. And you've got a thought. And you're going to find a matrix to live and exist in. So, but that's my new book that will be out. We got to get out of this place. So when I was maybe four years old, no, that's not true. I was five years old. I heard a voice. The voice's name was Sue. I thought it was a girl that sounded like a boy, but the name was Sue, S-S-U. That's Jesus's real name. He was known as Sue. I don't know. You could think what you want. But I heard go outside and ask them about Vicksburg. So I go outside and I ask these people sitting at the table about Vicksburg and the war. Well, lo and behold, a guy named Clyde Otis, who is a very famous music producer, whose grandparents were sharecroppers from the Confederacy, which were Britain, by the way, financed both ends of it. You know, they, they knew how to balance the powers. We're going to keep the cotton or we're going to keep the North in our favorite interest. And then when they realized the South was going to win, and I love history, so I regress to history because I know history. So when, the, when Britain realized that the South would not win and they're going to have a problem with their cotton crops, they built the Suicide Canal and then they started invading India where they took the cotton, they cultivated the cotton to make the clothing, and then they sold it to the Indians. But anyway, that's colonialism at its best. I love history. Clyde Otis flipped out. How some boy know about Vicksburg? My mother flipped out. And my father walked me back into the room. He goes, who are you talking to? I said, it's, it's here. Where is it? I said, I don't know. I just, I see it in the air. And he said, Stephen, what's his name? And I heard tell him football. So I told my dad, I'm talking with football. And if my mom caught me talking to whatever energies I was talking to, I was talking to my ragdoll, Sue. Anyway, um, this is really what goes on. And what I did is I studied people. I've, I've been very fortunate. I've been able to be with some of the greatest creators of our generations. And yes, they revolved around music and films and a couple of book writers and painters and basically creative people. So you hear they're geniuses and you're not. No, they're geniuses because they are Latin to English. The word means in touch with spirit. 
they're geniuses because they listen to the noise. They listen to the metaphysical truths that come into your awareness. And you are raised totally to only steal with not your awareness, where your feet are. You're not allowed to see energy. You're not allowed to feel energy. When the wind comes at you, something's talking to you. You could hear the wind. It could be telling you, make sure your hat's on tight, or it could be telling you there's a storm coming. And I could keep going on. So instead of me going on, this is your show. Ask me another question if I answered you. And if I didn't answer you, hone me in so I could give you your answer. <laughs> it's so great, man. We love it. Yeah, I uh, I definitely feel what you're saying. I you know I've been through a huge transition in my life, um, just trying to be open to the things that make me creative, and realizing that there are energies out there, and it's totally outside of things that you can find in sort of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, the things that they teach us in schools to keep us in check. You know that whole system that's in place to to disempower people and and kind of allow us to be worker bees. And that's the life that a lot of people are okay with. And I've never been okay with that. That's kind of why I got into punk rock. That's why I got into counterculture. But even in that- Can I something? I'll share it with you if I may. Do you ever ask yourself why was pot illegal and alcohol not illegal? Oh, I mean, yeah. other than the yeah. United States for 13 years? The answer is because if you smoke pot, you're not going to be jumping in and doing the menial task of nine to five. If you drink for whatever reason, you're able to get up the next morning. And like Jackson Brown saying in The Pretender, you go do it again. You know, you go back in there and you go work. You're smoking pot, you're going to get out of your body. You're going to open up that third eye, which is to the passage of your metaphysical truths. And I'm not crazy. I got the highest scores in my different classes, but I always knew there was something else. And I figured out how to negotiate it to learn something else. And down here in Florida, I put pot on the ballot, not because I smoke it, because how could you tell people they can't smoke it? I mean, it, Mother Earth makes it. Man makes alcohol. We ferment it. And now we're fermenting it with basically genetically modified soils that grow the vines, that grow the potatoes. And we're going to come out with three heads. But anyway, go back. Yeah. I'm in your head. I love that. Yes, gen genetically modified. It's another thing I'm hyper aware of these days too. And just don't how drink milk. Yeah, no, I don't drink. I'm dairy, 100% dairy free. I do just not. Stay away milk. from that. Like, yes. You ever ask yourself, your mother stops giving you milk when she's what, four or five in your lifetime, and now yeah. we sit and drink the milk of a cow? <laughs> it's like, what do I? If if the mother Earth wanted us to drink the milk, she would have had my mother make the milk. I don't need to go fit, make a cow, which is not a natural animal to mankind. It's earth. We made those cows. Wait, wait, go on. But that's a, that's a case in point of what I'm talking about. Things that you're raised with that you just kind of like, this is what we do. You know, it's the same thing with the meat industry, the way they're treating a lot of the meats and what you're eating isn't even, a, it's like a byproduct of meat because it's got all this stuff in it. So to me, that's the, the core of what hey, my, my quest in life is to, to break out of this thing that you're beaten down with these this is how you live this is what you do and people just kind of nod and smile and go about their way and i've never been down with that i've always wanted to pull away and question things it's in my book the history of viruses and their effects on mankind then and now i tell you this virus comes right out of earth we polluted earth and two things happen earth either makes a fungus or it makes a virus 
So Earth releases, when you pull up the crops, it releases the virus, puts it in the air, and we all inhale it. If you go around the world today, but you're not allowed to critically think this because you're an outsider. If you look at all the problems where the, all of a sudden the virus appears, it appears when they seed the food, when they seed the earth and when they pull it up. And the reason I interrupted you here is those animals are eating the polluted food before we, because they raise them so they get fatter. So we're eating the polluted food that didn't kill the cow or the chicken or the, or the lamb or whatever meat we're eating. No, it's crazy. It is. Welcome to this matrix. I know. Well, that's why eating to me is like the, what you choose to eat and put in your body is, is definitely a form of a revolution. You know, it's a quiet revolution if you just do it. But people like, you know, vegans love to talk about it and preach about it. And I get that. I'm not like too. a vegan's killing plants. Yeah, of course. Consciousness and a plant's consciousness is better than ours because they don't kill each other. Mm. We do. And they, by the way, I put out an album, The Singing Life of Plants. So you can get it on Spotify. I recorded plants communicating with each other. And my friend did it, who was an artist when I had my crystal court bowls. He told me he's got a machine that can mic the earth. And he's recording the plants talking to each other. And no one knows this because you're not taught it. Plants tell each other, okay, let's get the water. And they created fungus, which transports it to each other. You know, it's this whole world works off each other, you know. The plants, they're as smart as they come. They control mankind. They either feed us, they get us high, they're aesthetically beautiful, or they give us smells that attract us to them. So what does mankind do? Those four type of plants get moved around the world and they create their own population. If you go into a true forest, you'll see how baby trees are growing next to big trees and they figure out how to grow them. It's fascinating. The truth is, even though I may knock it, I love every breath I take. And if I can meet people like you that want that allow me to share whatever rays of lights coming into me, if they allow me to help unite people instead of divide people, if they allow me to teach everyone that you are not, you are not what you're thought to be. You are unique. You're special. You're extraordinary. You are a being. You were created in the like of God. You are that drop that came from the God of all. And all we are is just separate water drops hoping to figure out a way to get home. But until we get to home and we let go of our ego, where we edge God out and we want to come and live a life playing God, guess what? Mother Earth is in control of us and we better deal with that. We better honor that. And we should just go to the art. You ever spell Earth and realize in the middle of Earth it's art? Yeah. E and H. Get rid of E-H. You're left with art. How do you, how does, how do you walk around this Earth? You do it with the art of a heart, right? You get rid of he and you go to art and here you are walking around. Love it. <laughs> can, can you tell us about the premise of one of your books, which for me stands out and is definitely going to be the next one I read, The Colonization of Earth. What's the premise of that one, Stephen? All right. So my dad, okay, dad, I'm trying to figure out giving you a short answer. Okay, so here we go. Long answers are fine too. Okay, so... Dad had, when he started working, dad got a lot of black clients. And the black clients came to him from his handling of a boxer named Sugar Ray Robinson. So Sugar Ray Robinson taught me more about life because when I was young, he would come to our home in Roslyn and Long Island is flat. 
but Rosalind had hills and you were able to go up and down and bike the hills. That's what I was able to do as a little boy. Sugar Ray would come over when he was visiting dad and he would come in extra two hours and he would go take me on the marathon race, which got me into running marathons, the 26.2 miles where they were, where the Greeks were letting whatever that Greek territory know that the Spartacans were coming when they ran down the marathon. That's why they call it marathon. But anyway, so I'm sitting there with him, not sitting. I used to ride the bike along him. So he taught me how to take care of the body. And we started talking. He told me that, you know, people that take care of their bodies are special because you need to, he says, boy, you need to listen to your father's acts. He says, he's got some of the most talented people in the world. Dad had Sam Cooke. He had James Brown. So what the hell? I'll listen to him. He also had a man named Donovan. So I meet Donovan and I'm answering you. So, and I got, I gave you the, a little That's bit all good, man. So good. So anyway, so he had Donovan and I'm in sixth grade and Donovan's at the house. He's there with Mickey most his producer. And he says, you know, we're talking and I'm like, I'm fascinated by his music because no one thinks like him, you know, because I study how people think like it's a chess game. Why do you think the things you think? You know, who are you? And everyone's usually the same. You'll see them all dressed the same. When I was a boy, Ray Davies brought me a pair of pants, Ray Davies and his manager. And, you know, I had the Montsbard pants. And he, he said to me, and I'm growing up in New York, conservative New York, where they told you what you had to wear when you went to school. So they, I had these mod pants. And my mother's like, Marty, what's he going to do with that? My father looks at her and he goes, he's going to wear that to school. And I'm looking like, no, I'm not. Anyway, I didn't say that. And I said, why would I wear that to school? He says, let's see what kind of man you are. I go, what do you mean? What kind of man? Am I? He says, put it on. So I'm in seventh grade and I come in wearing, you know, the mod squad shit. Right. So I'm wearing these pants and people were making fun of me. Where did you go? Look at you. But by fourth grade and fourth period, I think we had nine periods in those days. And lunch was four or five or six. The girls were talking. And they're like, what cool pants by six period, you know, they're liking it. And I'm wearing it. Well, I'm like, I love this. I could be who I really am and not dress to conform. So you think of what I am when I'm answering you. when I was young and I was a public defender in Nashville, Tennessee, I wouldn't wear a tie in court. And the judge went nuts. And I told him I am not choking. So I can't represent my clients. And I told these this one criminal because they threw me out of court. I said, you now have reversible error. And the judge went insane. He says to me, how dare I tell it to him? I said, why do I have to wear a tie? That's what's required of you. I said, by who? That's our society. I said, I can't breathe. So I guess I can't be a lawyer in your court. Anyway, he says to me, um, get back out there and handle them. You better watch how you talk to people. So I get humble and I look at him. I go, well, respectfully, I'm sorry. So going back to Donovan, so I'm sitting there and I'm figuring I'm going to show off to all the girls in my room because he, they all love his mellow yellow. And, you know, I'm like, he had the song Atlantis. And I'm like, okay, there are five, uh, five tribes you talked about. Donovan, who are the other seven? Because I wanted to show off to everyone in my high school. I knew the whole 12, the 12 tribes. You ever notice how it's all 12? And in my book, Colonization of Earth, I tell you the magic of 12. Why did the Hebrews have 12 tribes? Not the Jews, the Hebrews, right? Why were there 12 tribes down in the Mayans or wherever you want to go? Why is everything in 12? Why do we have 12 astrological signs when there's 13 moons in most years? A moon is 28 and a quarter days. 
and you got 12. We have 13 moons, but we only have 12 astrological signs. The book Colonization of Earth answers all these questions. When I was young, there was a band called Procol Harum, and some of my friends that were adventurous were listening to this song, and my dad had Charisma Records. And Charisma Records was the progressive record label of the UK. They had Lindisfarne. They had, they had the original Genesis band. They had all these thought process things, you know. And they had Rare Bird, the band that my father thought would break and it didn't break. You know, there was King Crimson that was involved, you know, and, and King Crimson I'll get to in a minute. So Procol Harum was a band I liked and it didn't come through my father or anything, but it came through Chrysalis. Terry Ellis and Chris Wright. What are they doing with this band? So I hear this song. Everyone's a whiter shade of pale. Well, what's that when you see a ghost? But they had another song called The Salty Dog, which I loved. It was singing to me about past energies. I just couldn't figure it out. And everyone and Salty Dog, I found out many years later, is someone that sits on a boat and, and gets burnt. You know, you need vitamin C so you don't get burnt. I found that out when I was giving a lecture in the up by, where was I, up by York at a, a big, uh, whatever, a big festival, leisure festival, latitude. There we go, latitude. So um, they had the song, a salty dog, all hands on deck, we've run ashore, we've run afloat. I hear the captain cry, explore the ship, replace the clue, let no man leave alive. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know, that could be a, sh that could be a boat ship, right? Across the straits, across the narrows, how far do we sailors fly? I'm like, no, that's a spaceship. And I got into so many arguments with my friends who are, you know, you're out of your mind sometimes. I said, I didn't know to explain it now, but yeah, I leave my body and I'm hearing this is a spaceship. So anyway, I read the cool book to read when you were a revolutionary in my youth. It's called The Chariots of the Gods. And I'm like, wait, this, this makes no sense. We're an alien race. That's what this is. We're an alien race. And I would sit there throughout my life and I would study with the Native American Indians who taught me that you have a nowhere inside your body and they had a nowhere here. They told me it was your gut. Well, I believe we have a nowhere called your aura. And if you let your third eye direct your aura, you'll hear truths because you'll listen to the metaphysical sounds and rhythms and rhymes, be they the insects that are crawling around you that are definitely communicate. You know, I was in the jungles in Panama and I watched, I watched them carry a leaf. I was like, this is, this is better than the Pharaoh and his slaves. They carried a leaf. And then what they did is they dropped it in the middle and then all the bugs came to eat it. I'm like, what a fascinating way to live. Too bad we humans can't do it. So I realized in the book, I just studied this stuff. I couldn't get out of it. I would read any book not about UFOs, but about aliens, the alien creation. And because of my ability to do music the way I've done it, I've done it in over a hundred countries. You know, I did it with my father, sort of dead, like steak and potatoes. And he allowed me to be nuts because I attracted the artist. And I did it with my son who also thought like, whatever dad, but before Baron prematurely left planet earth, I went to 23 nations with him. And one of them was Egypt. And we did music. We had hippos and tanks. And out of hippos and tanks, we gave the world a couple of acts. We gave the world Arca. And we gave the world Grimes. And, you know, we had, we had nothing but sort of successes. And 
the band that killed him was Young Lean and the Sad Boys, if you know who Young Lean was. It just got totally out of hand. I read the story about your son passing, yeah. So, you know, but he's here too. He's telling me to tell you, I'm okay. <laughs> right? No, you can hear the energies. There's a TV show, a movie that came out in the 30s called Topper. Mm-hmm. You should watch it. A great, great show. There are people that tune in. Most of us tune out because we're trained to tune out. So what I did is that's how I start the book, The Colonization of Earth. All hands up. Because when I read the accounts, I've read, if there's a book on it, somehow or another, I got into it. They're called the Anakis. That's how I pronounce it. It's spelled differently, but it's all the same. You would just look for the theme, A-N-U-N-N-A-K-I. Google it. There's thousands of them. The Anakis were the Apollo space trainers of a planet called Nibiru. Nibiru, what's Nibiru? Well, that's the 12th planet and the 12th planet only because it's the 10th planet, but they count our moon and the sun because the energies that make up our world that we live in in our universe are 10 planets plus the sun and plus the moon. They control our, the moon. No one wants to put this together. Why does it turn without floating around? When it rotates, it, it stays in connection with us and it moves off the sun, you know, 25% each week. What is this? I sort all these answers out. I saw what's the sun? The sun gives the energy. How do you get the sun? Well, most of us, the nine planets, be it Pluto, Neptune, Uranus, um, Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars, right? Those are six planets. If you're coming into our universe from the outside, from Pluto, the seventh planet is Earth. That's the magic in number Earth. So when these aliens landed here, they came to the seventh planet. Planet eight in their eyes was the moon. Planet nine was Mars. Planet 10 was um, Mercury, right? Which is named after what day? Mercury, it's Wednesday. You ever look at the seven days of the week? Where did this come from? Sunday's the sun, Monday's the moon, Tuesday's Mars. Right? How did we know that there was iron on Mars? How did the Romans write about this? Why is it the god of war? Wednesday's Mercury, the messenger, because it goes around the sun the most. It gets the most energy and then spins it off. You know, and people, they're just not ready to hear this. My whole goal in life is before I leave and go find new dimensions to go play with my Wendy, who I'm here with now. I finally found Wendy. Wendy's name is Debbie. She helped me complete my last three books. And I'm Peter Pan. I'm out of here. And the Lost Boys (laughs) or anyone that wants to come with me, let's go. You know, but at the same time, I'm going to leave producing music because I'm bringing rock and roll back. I'm bringing country music back. I'm bringing dance music back. I'm going to take it away from the corporate control that you see that tells you what you could hear and what you could do. You know, and it's, I, I believe I have the powers of goodwill around me now. I mean, out of nowhere, I had a song that went lick my neck, my back in 2002 and three. Well, now I've got a remake of it. It's called Lit Bitch. And it's a hit. <laughs> and it's by Chinese Kitty. You know, and you know what? I'm going to take whatever I get out of it and pour it into the School of Sacred Knowledge, which I intend to open in Glastonbury. I've got an artist, a friend of mine from Glastonbury who I will put him out. It means he's sitting there and he's been waiting for me for 10 years. And it's like, okay, let's go. Glastonbury was a magical place for me. You know, when I had Peter Gabriel, why 
why, what is this? Why did he live in Bath? Why did I get a call to tell me that they wanted to open up the world of music, arts, and dance? Why did I go? Why didn't my father get that call? I asked these questions all along. And the answer is, Peter was calling for my father and he got me. And he wanted dad to pick it up because Peter would have been told no. I picked it up and the next thing I know, he invites me down to eat crumpets and tea and go meet Martin Elborn, Tom, and I forgot the other guy's name, Thomas. And uh, we, there we went. We created Womack over tea and crumpets. I never had a crumpet then. And then with Louise, my PR woman right now, and she lives over in whatever you call it, Surrey. I had a, no, that's not true. I had a, I had a crumpet with my friend who runs Green Man. And hopefully I'll be lecturing at Green Man this summer. She gave me a crumpet when we went over there. And it was you good. You've got to have a crumpet, mate. Yeah, you've got to try a bit. Of cr and obviously, crumpet is what we also call, like, you know, women as well. In the 60s, anyway, that was a term for, like, a beautiful woman. So it's it got a dual meaning, as many words do. <laughs> and, and so anyway, with the book that you're about to read, I read all this stuff. And I was in Sedona. And I walk into a shop. And I'm talking to this woman. And she's telling me whatever nonsense. She was mean. And there's a book there. And the book is the 12th planet. And there was another book. The, the creation of mankind, not the creation of mankind. And I heard, pick up those two books. Don't get into a fight with her and buy the books and get out of there. So I bought the books and that was it. You know, I was up there with the Indians in Sedona and I wasn't taking mushrooms. I do Kundalini breath. I'm a Kundalini expert. So I spent 2019 in that year. I ended up in Bolivia in 18. So I went up where the Incas, I teach you the Incas. The Incas is what the aliens call those people. I teach you how they built the pyramids. I've read every textbook I could get my hands on it. And it's all there. It's all there in the things. And what I did is I needed to dumb it down. So even my limited brain would understand that makes sense. Like they, they said how mankind was created and you read it in the book. And so anyway, we have... I don't remember the number. So I think it's 230 genes in us that no other animal on earth has. The number's in my book. So they can't explain where we got our genes from. So one scientist, because I, I couldn't have written this book 10 years ago. I can only write this book because we have artificial intelligence created by man that shares every thought written down. So they have the ASCII records, which you could, you could bring in or you find someone to tell you what went on. It's like it's fine too. I want to go back to, oh, I want to go back to Roger Williams in Providence and the Rhode Islands. Why did he call this after he got thrown out of Massachusetts? Why do people in America believe that they came here for freedom of religion when they were chucked out of England by King Henry, the King Charles II, who got rid of everyone that got rid of his father, King Charles I, who was also Humpty Dumpty that sat on the wall. But the, uh, I loved sharing all these stories as I just keep going on and on. So I went there. I went to India. I, I worked with the Dalai Lama. I made a record with him. You know, I made an album with the Pope that wasn't allowed to come out. I made an album, eight, to be, uh, to be honest, with eight Indian different tribes. I made an album in the equator, in Ecuador, with one of those tribes. I just love people. I made, I made an album with the... Um, Oh, I forgot the, the uh, Murray's, Mur Mur Murray's over in New Zealand when I had my Colin Hay days. 
So through music, I traveled everywhere. I was in Egypt. I went to all the holy sites that they had there. I sat there with people that are all dead now. And I went there with my son, who's also dead. So I'm the only survivor of this person taking me to learn the sacred meanings. And what I did is I kept track of what he told me because I did not understand what he was telling me. And so my books that I wrote, I start with God's gangsters in honor. I tell you what it was like. I give you metaphysical ways that I've created my life. How I sat there with people, how I produced Bobby Brown, how I produced New Edition, how I discovered Whitney Houston, put her on a record and then didn't like her. And Clive Davis and I got into a fight. He told me I'm going to ruin her. How could you put her on an esoteric group like material? They'll never sell a record. And I'm like, well, not everyone has to sell to your Walgreens or whatever was the big thing then, you know, or to be stocked so we could throw it in your face so you could become numb and dumb. Even though I've had many, many pop hits, you know, it's all pleasure trying to find the intellectual capabilities. So I was in Egypt. I went to Israel. I went through everything. I even gave a lecture in Israel about creation. And I told them they lived the greatest creation known to mankind. Trying to kill Jesus so God could have his son, Christ. I said, and you sit here believing that you, the Hebrews, killed Jesus when the entire word Jew refers to the people of Judea and there was no J until 1500s. A J used to be used by the Roman numbers. It was when you would go X, one, 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 the J would stop the ones. That would be the limit. So when the Catholic Church decided they needed to give Jesus a J, all of a sudden they put it as what? H is our eighth letter. I is the ninth. J is the tenth. That's when it begins again. What is this? So through J, you begin again. Mankind begins again. These are all secrets they do. And people look at me like I'm crazy. No, maybe you're crazy. We hide things in words. We hide things in stones. We hide things in paintings. I've spent my whole life researching that book. That book is 50 years old. And when I wrote it, I heard just write it piecemeal. That book is part of three books, Book of Earth, Volume 1, Volume 2. Volume 2 is taking Jesus off the cross. That's my masterpiece. I tell you, Jesus of love, it's not the same energy of this thing called Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Antichrist. Jesus is love. Christ is control. Jesus never told you you could kill people. Jesus never had a red cross. Jesus was white. So when the Pope talks to you, when he's speaking for Jesus, he puts on his white robes. And when he talks to you, wait, this is what we have to do. He puts on his purple outfit. They were sort of purple people that if you understand your chakras, and I didn't finish the seven days, so I'll finish it. So Wednesday is Mercury, Thursday is Jupiter, Friday's Venus. It could be a morning star and an evening star. Why is it both? Because the Hebrews worship the evening star for desire. The Muslims worship the morning star for beauty. Saturday, Saturn, there's your seven things. And that's how it works. Those are the seven things. Notice how it's the seven things coming out this way, not the seven things going in the other way. It's amazing because my goal is to put together all the pieces of the puzzle. Like the song by Coldplay, Scientist. You take apart the puzzle. Well, we are the parts of the puzzle. Let's put it together. Let's build a world that Jesus spoke about, a world based on love. Can we, can we focus and go in on that, on this idea of like control versus love and where that perhaps got split into 
the two camps um, from a historical point of view? Jesus, what I did is in Act 10, I give you the history. And my, it goes back to my love of Glastonbury. Why was I in Glastonbury? Why did I love it? Why did I insist to do things in Glastonbury? Walmart's first show was in 1982 when there was no Glastonbury. You know, and we did it in a town right off Glastonbury because we couldn't get in there because they wanted the grass to grow again or whatever they did. And I just couldn't get out of Glastonbury. I spent my whole life looking there, searching it. I was just there with Debbie, my Wendy. We were there a couple of weeks ago. And the minute she got in there, she inhaled the air. And she's like, this is a magical place. Well, what went on in Glastonbury? Well, Forget Avalon and King Arthur, which is, you know, a French story. There was a man named Joseph Armathia. I mispronounce it, but you can get the gist. It's in my book, Taking Jesus Off the Cross. He was, he was, I'm going to call him by the name you all know him. He was Jesus's uncle. Jesus's mother was Joseph's sister. Jesus's father, John, died early. And again, there was no J, so it was on, O-H-N, take out the H, you got Om, right? They were t- all these letters, if you go back in time, they all mean something. Joseph of Armathia controlled the ships that would take the tin from Cornwall. That's why Cornwall was so important. And they would marry it to the copper that would come from the ships that went across the ocean, and they used these stones that are over there in the Stonehenge. And those stones are arranged so that they know when June 20th, 21st, and 22nd is. So they know the waves have turned through the circling of the earth as the earth has reached this furthermost north point. And now we'll be, I'm talking, further north point, and now we'll be circulating south on the northern hemisphere, which changes the currents. So as it goes this way, that current goes this way. Because the currents wrote go opposite of the moon and also the sun energy. You're not allowed to know this. And they were able to sail. They go to Lake Superior. They take the tin. They take the copper. How did they know there was copper there? How, where did they get the maps? Where did the Christians, the Catholics, in 1455, why did they create slavery? They created the slave trade. They said all good Catholics could buy slaves so we could open a new world. They had them go around the, uh, the islands in... Um, Portugal, off, off Spain, rather, and Africa, they said, if you're looking south, anything to the right is for Spain, the new country that was killing everybody for the Vatican. And if, if you go left, it's the Portuguese. Look at the Portuguese and the Spanish, how they settled the world. And then you see Brazil. Someone's going to go, ah, Brazil's Portuguese. Well, in 1494, you read that there was a meeting in the Vatican with the Spanish king, the new king, you know, and the uh, king of Portugal, the two slave trading nations for the Vatican, because they profited, but you're not allowed to know that. And what the Vatican did, I love this, because it's there for everyone to read, but no one wants to read it, because I'm not questioning that, because Christ will not accept me in heaven. My friends, you are all accepted. You're here to experience, and your experience helps God knows the limitations of endless love. And endless love becomes control. Because how can a human that doesn't understand their wants and needs and believes that this is it, where they edge God out with their ego, E-D, E-G-D, whatever, E-G-O, 
How could they, how could they tolerate this? So in 1494, the Vatican said, all right, the Portuguese can have that country called Brazil and the Spanish are going to get these islands off China. They knew those islands were there and it was named after King Philip, but no one wants to put two and two together. And when I was a boy, I was taught that Magellan discovered the world. No, we didn't. They had the maps. They had the Anaki maps. And in book three, book two, I give you the maps of the world. I show it to you from 1518 that are still there in Turkey for you to see. And someone copied them. Like America Vespucci did not discover America. America is a German word. It means strength, courage, and with conviction. Vespucci, V-E-S in Latin means vessel. Pucci, P-U-C-C-I, were the people that were running the Vatican cities for the Vatican. Because the Vatican wouldn't touch money. You do it and give it to me as we raise money because God needs us to get money from you. And it's all control. Why do you follow the system? Why do we have people that sit and teach you they're better than you? Why did they destroy the American Indians who lived in a world since they got away from the Mayans and the Aztecs when they came up into North America, which was just agriculture. It didn't have platinum metals that we knew of then. And they lived in an agricultural world where they based their society. You know, they protected themselves from the raiders, but they were a society. They used to, instead of killing each other, they would tag each other. But when white man came over, the white man started killing because they thought Christ says, we own you and these are savages. Excuse me. You know, and I go through all this. So I'm talking too much. Get your questions out of me. We'll make this a one-on-one course. No, this is I'm good. just happy I could share it with people. I love it. It's just a wellspring of, of, of knowledge and wisdom. And it's, you know, I think it's important because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now where their minds are completely blown. And, and I think that's half of the problem of the society we live in. It's so controlled. And history, if you do your research, which I've, this is, I'm talking years. I mean, not even close to how many years you've been doing this, but the more I read and the more I discover, the more knowledge that I, I gather, the more I see the holes, you know, the more I see the bigger picture. And I'm seeing that, you know, when people conquer a certain region, they destroy artifacts, they destroy language. History is written by the people who win, the conquerors, right? And they get rid of all the things that are contrary to their law, to their rule, to the way they think and feel and how they want to control people. So, I've known this for a while and it's something that drives me nuts and actually makes me feel pretty alienated from a lot of my peers is because I'm constantly seeking what is truth and truth is something people want to manipulate all the time. But truth is, as you said earlier, it's not about um, politics. It's not about, you know, you just say the truth and how it affects somebody is how they perceive the truth. So for me, it's fascinating because there is evidence that we've been through, um, society has been an intelligent place. There's been electricity before they said there was electricity. These things, if you dig deep, you can start to discover the amount of deception we're living under and the manipulation of, of knowledge is caused. Let me give you a good I, Go ahead. You want a good? Okay. You're taught you always know the sun rises. The sun never rises. We turn into the sun. The sun never rises. The sun never sets. We turn away from the sun. And the truth is, the, the truth is 360 degrees. And it's a metaphysical thing because where you're standing at that precise moment in time, all the elements around you, you could close it off and be like this, or you could just be open and receive it because you see truth in different breath. 
It's fascinating. And I admire you for fighting through it. And if I could help anyone continue to fight through it, do it. Well, you know, you know I think it's a lonely thing when you start to really discover the truth. And when you try to speak on it or discuss it, I think people's fear takes over and people don't want to know because they're comfortable in their little confine of what they've been taught. And we see it today, every single day in our society, the division that's created because people are starting to question the narrative. People aren't starting to question what's going on. And then there's this conflict of people who don't want you to question it. Everything in this society is like, don't question, just do what you're told, follow the way and life is easy for you. You'll be successful. Doors will open for you. But the moment you start to question and the moment you start to speak out about your questioning of like, you know, you've been taught the wrong thing. That's when the problems arise. And I, I gather great joy to find wisdom, but it's a lonely place. It's a very lonely place when you have people around you that are afraid of the truth. I've learned how to handle it because what I do is I can't lecture to you telling you I know. I don't know anything. I'm aware of a lot. And if I can make you, you can become aware of a lot more. If you stop knowing everything, mm. then, then I've done something. I'm aware. I look at people and I feel bad. For them. All right, go back to your closed world. How about what they did in New York City? They took away a statue of Thomas Jefferson, the man that authored the Declaration of Independence, probably the greatest document written in its heyday. They took out the statue. What, are you going to erase Thomas Jefferson when he wrote it on hemp? You know, it's... It's it's pretty funny. Yeah, it runs deep, man. It's it's something that I, I wrestle with on a regular basis. And I, I'm fascinated by it because, you know, for me, I'm an open book. I, I'm constantly changing the way of my perception. And I think that's the only way I'm going to truly grow and try to even attempt to grasp what existence is. It's, it's something that uh, on a regular basis, you know, I, I get very quiet and very introverted. But to me, there's true joy in knowing that we don't know everything and what you have been taught isn't correct. I love that idea. It excites me, but it, it's a struggle as well, you know? And I think that's a beautiful thing about someone like you that just, there's no filter there. You're not worried about what people think about you. And I, I admire that about you very much. I could, get, I could give a damn because yeah. I know, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm speaking for the concept of love. When I wrote God's Gangsters in Honor, I realized I was a manipulative human being that like I took five black kids from Boston, Massachusetts and made them the number one band. I had Bobby Brown. I couldn't find them because he was buying cocaine and Babyface in L.A. were leaving the studio and he had to record a song that I knew was the number one record. And because I didn't have him, I used Ralph Tresvant, who was the other singer in the new edition. He Love was waiting it. for Bobby to bring he was waiting for Bobby to bring him the coke. So I. We won a Grammy. You know, I'm not one of these that I had 10 Grammy nominations. I had hundreds, you know, and to me, it's all nonsense anyway. You know, it's a nice it's a nice reward because you get to dress up, you know, and you got someplace to go. Right. But Bobby Brown won the Grammy for best song with every little step. He didn't sing it. <laughs> you know, so what I did is I learned how I manipulated. I'm a manipulator. How did I get Janice heard in America? How did I get John Waite to number one? How did I get Kaya, the song I told you earlier? How did I get Seal and Ademski to have the number one record in England when somehow or another I walked into a situation where Killer became the theme for your World Cup soccer team in 1990, and every day it was on the radio because your team was going far, and then they didn't. But by then the damage was done. Killer worked, you know? 
I, I can tell you these stories nonstop. You know, same tainted love. How did these two kids find a song from the 1950s, Motown, called Tainted Love? What is this? You know, I made that songwriter a ton of money because I got none of it. Do you think everything you saw was kind of the, the catalyst for this journey that you're on? Because you obviously saw success and corruption and power and all of these things in their most extreme forms living through the, you know, the decades that you were operating within the industry when it was all ego, money, cocaine, as you say, it deception. Still <laughs> well, it still is. is. Is the money and the cocaine still there? Or is it just ego now? <laughs> no, this, this money there. These people make a lot of money for their corporate slave owners. You know, I'm so against what they've done. I'm so against the way they find artists. It's just, it's ridiculous to me. But if you take God's gangsters in honor, I realize I'm a manipulous son of a gun. And I'm like, I got my honor back when I didn't take the money from Sharon Osbourne, who I knew as Sharon Arden, when she didn't want me to tell the truth of what Sharon Arden really was. She tried to buy my silence. I told her, keep the money. So we got into two lawsuits. I won the lawsuits. God's Gangsters and Anna came out. Bingo, here it is. But then I was sitting there. I'm like, okay, I broke. You know, most women I knew were like, you know, I told them, I said, I never promised you I'd buy you a house. I promised you you'd be treated as a princess until I could become king and you could be my queen. And that's what I told them. And finally, I found the woman that could wear that position in life. And I'm on it because. She and I are going to leave Earth together. We'll go find that new matrix. But what I did was, after I wrote that book and it came out, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm hearing noise. Stephen, you just figured it out. The people that control Earth know about metaphysical truths. They play chess and they teach you to play checkers. Why don't you now write a book on history? So I wrote a book on the highways of man. It starts at 500 B.C. So I tell you about the Assyrians, I tell you about the Babylonians, the Greeks, the this, the that, how they sat there killing each other, worshiping some kind of ultra god, which in book one, the colonization of Earth, you're going to discover was a creature named Marta. I go through the whole thing with you. And what I do is I go from 500 BC, I take you to year 2010, 11, and I wrote the history of mankind. And I show you it's all the same. Like, you know, I had a band called Status Quo. I was their lawyer for it. And I'm there with my father. And we're signing a big deal. We had 20% of that big deal. This is 1980-ish, 82 maybe. So we're doing Status Quo's new deal. And I'm sitting with a guy and he looks at my father and he's my dad's age. Dad was born in 21. He was a Nazi, to quote him. I look at him, I go, you're a Nazi? Yes. Yes. Why? Why, Stephen? I go, how could you have been a Nazi? Well, it, we all were. And I'm like, what do you mean you all were? I said, and then I took the table and I started pushing the table. I go, you were a fucking Nazi? You sat there shooting people and you're laughing at it? You were a Nazi? And I kept pushing the table on him, you know? And I didn't know why I was doing it. I've never done it since. And what happened was he sat there and he got really red and he looks at me. He says, we did it because we could. I pulled the table back. My father's flipping out because I'm ready to kiss off a $2 million deal where we had 20%. My father's flipping out. And I just stopped. And the guy started crying. And I started crying. I said, you just told me something. I'm going to tell every person forever. 
You do it because you could. You do it because someone was playing checkers with you and they allowed you to believe you were taking the reds when you're the black. They taught you your darkness was the light and other people's lights were the darkness. They didn't teach you that every day you have dark and you have light. They didn't teach you the purpose in dark. It's to sit back and reflect so you could feel the entire emotions of what's going on around you. You know, if I can control your thought process, all of a sudden I can make you a very, very angry man. You're a man. And you know, it's, if, I can, if I can open up the thought process, I'll make this world a different place. If I, if I change two people and those two people change four and then those four do 16 and then those 16 to 256, I've done something really, really good. And I can go home and say, I did not conform. I love what's control. What do you mean you don't listen to me? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean this or that? No. You know, when I ran for office, when I ran for the U.S. Senate, I said, if you put me in office and I want to represent you, I will answer all your questions. I will never look down on you. you. If you have a question, you deserve to have it answered. And if I don't know it, I won't make it up. If I only feel it, I'll tell you this is what I believe. If I know it for certain, and I know nothing for certainty, because each and every one of our bodies is a very dense thing made up of particles that move. So how do I move you? I do this, this, this. I'm moving your body. If I teach you what I was teaching earlier, how to breathe in through your nose and pump your stomach, I'm getting the air into your body. You know what happens in our society? You breathe in through your mouth. So you, all the air stops at your lungs and your body's starving for air. So you got to get up and move, but you don't realize Watch a baby breathe. A baby breathes in through the nose and pumps the stomach and out through the nose. If you do that, if you do that for 60 seconds every time you get upset and close your eyes, and it's human to get upset, it won't be there. I mean, we have seven chakras, right? What are the seven chakras? We have seven energy centers. You know, your first one, which is basically your butt, it's red. The color's red. The second one is your sex organs, right? What color is that? That's orange. Your other organs is your third. That's yellow. The fourth is your heart area. Not the heart, but the heart area right in the middle. It's green. The fifth is your throat, right? It's indigo. It's blue. The sixth is right here, your third eye. It's indigo. After you leave the earth, you leave the blue sky, it becomes an indigo sky. You're leaving here. And then the seventh is the couple purple. It's the color you see when the sun is shining off the high mountains, Purple Mag Mountains Magistry. It was written in whatever, America, America. What, what are these songs? And those seven colors, by the way, the colors of a rainbow. That's how light comes down the earth. When it lands, you know, the higher points it lands purple, the down points it's red. That's your clay, that's your earth, that's your soil. I could go on and on, we don't have time and I'm enjoying this, but keep asking me questions, I'll keep giving you answers. Well, it's all connect. I, to me, it just seems like everything's connected, and I think there's people, the powers that be, benefit from the disconnection, benefit from manipulating all of this stuff to sort of keep us in check and keep society on this sort of hamster wheel. And I heard you say this in, in an interview, or it might have been your own podcast, where you said the new dark ages. And I really like that term because I truly feel like we're starting to experience that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like we're really living in an age of disinformation and misplaced wisdom. 
And we're kind of in a really bad spot right now. And I feel that in my heart. I, I walk around daily with a very heavy heart and it takes all of my strength to stay positive and to keep pushing forward and to keep fighting and trying to put the messages that I write about, which is predominantly about love um, and about you know um, unity and all the stuff that I write in my lyrics. That's kind of why I still do it. It's not even just about having a career. It's because I just feel called to do it. So it I guess, a- Go ahead. That is a career. And, and bless you for doing that. Your career is to spread love. I'll, I'll give you a solution to your issue. It's real simple. Take away the private profit of giving information. In my country, we allow people to come on and advertise. They go for a market. When I was making movies, I made a lot of movies wearing all different hats and robes. They taught me horror sells. Bad news sells. We don't like good news. One time I took my son, and you know, he was 14 years old, and the NBC cameras were out there. Boom, 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 we came out of the movie, you know. And it was a movie, it was a cartoon movie, and I forgot the name, but it was a big cartoon movie. And they said to me, well, what did you think of the movie? And I said, well, it was okay. They said, do you have any issues with your son? How old is he? I said, he's 14. It was in June. He had just become 14. I said, well, what's the issue? And he says to me, well, you're okay with him seeing that violence? And I looked at him and the camera was on. You can tell if it's red. And I said, okay with it. I make my son watch the sports because networks like you, that's the only time you ever tell any good news. Because unfortunately for you and the world you live in where you try to divide us, someone had to win a sports game. I said, even if it's a draw, that meant no one lost. The guy didn't know what to do. And that went all over L.A. And that was in 2001 in a park. I forgot the name. It's the park movie. But anyway, um, there you are. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't let people bother you. Yeah, I'm a hyper empath, but I'm learning to, to sort of let go. and Because you feel their emotions. Hmm. I do. You could feel someone. Oh, totally. And you got you to gotta build up your aura and just keep them out. Let them humor you. Learn to laugh at them. Just laugh with them. Say, oh, that's very funny. Don't let them get inside your aura because we'll eat you alive. True. Anyway, that's a lesson that took me my whole life. I would fight with people. Now I fight with people and I don't let them in my aura. So it's like, ah. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah. It's something I'm learning. I, sure. leave, I can hug you because I don't care. It's like, good. We just had a diatribe. We argued with each other. Now what? There's a hell of a lot of food for thought from today's chat, Stephen. It's um, it's been amazing. I, w- I want to ask you this: out of everybody you encountered, you talk in your book about this differentiation between entertainers and performers and true artists. In all your years, who would you say were like real, you know, axis shifting? magicians and artists that really changed the game for you like were authentically just pure and and magic in the world of either music or cinema or authors or were there any that really stood out for you as just real geniuses i mean i dealt with and using the word genius for in touch with spirit i dealt with a lot of them and some of them you don't even know and some of them didn't even care that they couldn't get there i mean in his heyday peter gabriel was definitely in touch with something and peter gabriel you know, you should investigate the word so, S-O. What is so? Well, you'll find out that so, it's in my, it's in book two, act nine, 
I think it's scene eight. So is the uh, religion of the West Africans with the Santerias and how you bring in other energies. You know, and my favorite thing that I wrote in that book is Act 9, Scene 9. I give you the history of Great Britain. It's priceless. I found the book and I found this book in Glastonbury. There we are again in Glastonbury. And it was written in 1862. And it started giving me the myths. And I was allowed to look it up to pontificate on it further of how you got the name Albion, how you got the name Britain, and how you became the Great Britain. How using the Egyptian mythology, moving to the Greek-Trojan War, you took the Trojan side because that's how you got to Rome and you left Rome and you ended up leaving Rome as part of the kingdom or whatever. And you ended up in the shores of Glastonbury. Isn't that funny? And you went to Cornwall, which I was telling you earlier. I mean, this stuff is crazy when you put it all together. It really is nuts. And when you read my book, I go into it. Book one, book two, book three. Book one is a hard book to read. It took me 50 years to write it. And I tried to numb it down. Book two is real easy. I give you the history of imperial governments and imperial religions. And it's outrageous. Hey, love me. Now I'm going to control you. You know, it's, that's the thing. Am I Jesus or am I Christ? And no God will control you the way they do. A God is your father. And your father will allow you to experiment with life and just hope and pray you don't do something stupid. But if you do, then you become an example if you learn truth of what not to do if you're ever in a similar situation. And, you know, it's that movie Chimanji, if you ever saw that movie. Each and every one of us have an asset. If we collectively work together, there's nothing we can't do, you know, except give our body longer natural earth life. Our body falls apart. So maybe we're going to become machines. Maybe we're the machines that will become the AIs. And AI is fascinating because if you understand how AI works, it doesn't have the limitations of the human minds. We have all the information there, but we're only allowed to pick on stuff that's physical, the density. You're not allowed to pick on the metaphysical, the vibration parts that make our heartbeat and everything. The computer doesn't know the difference. That's why the computer can give you answers that we mankind can't do. But it cannot be empath empathetic. I mean, if you ask the computer, what's, what should we do with mankind in the direction it's going? The computer may tell us to kill ourselves. Because if you study history, we've never not killed. We're the only species on Earth that kills each other and doesn't eat it. You know, it's, it's like outrageous. And it's just, we need to deal with this. We don't need to deal, have that happen. So these books are written to show you, you do not physically die. Let it go. You will come back if you choose to come back. If you want to do what I call Rosalind, R-O-S-S-L-Y-N-N, -N, this is where Dan Brown went wrong. Rosalind is the anti-gravitational force that built the pyramids. You make things float. I could be anti-gravitational. And you'll love the book. And if you have questions, please ask me because your questions will make me better. Because what you don't know, what you're unaware of, I may not have explained it in detail. And I'm always open to talking. I would love you to go watch Rock's Revolt and the Velvets. Watch our videos. This woman has something I have not seen in years since maybe Peter Gabriel. He was the most talented of all that I had. Donovan was sure talking to something. Leonard Cohen was running from something. Leonard Cohen, he couldn't, write a, he couldn't write a song with light. He ran from it. And he and I became very close later on in life. And 
I had fun with the guy, you know, I had fun with my artist. But what happened was when commercials took over, you had to conform, you had to make a cheeseburger. It's like, I mean, why would you have to make a cheeseburger? You can feed something else to people. You don't have to sound like they all sound like classic rock. I love that. Or like, how about classic music? Who said you can't put lyrics on music? Oh, the Vatican did. Why? Because if I put lyrics in there, I may get you to think something and supposed to putting you to sleep on a lullaby, right? The word fairy, right? F-A-I-R-E means enchanted. That's French. The Vatican calls it fairy, F-A-I-R-Y. They put wings on Tinkerbell, and now you look at it like it doesn't exist. You have fairies, enchanted tales all around you. Each and every one of us has a story. Each and one of us came from love, and we live under control. Our parents made love when they had us. They made the friction, and that friction, that rubbing, got your consciousness to get into that A. That's the truth. And they could dispute it all they want. Your consciousness came here. You chose your parents. Like in the Letty Cone song, Dance Me to the End of Love. Let me see the children who are waiting to be born. I mean, I sat with Leonard, you know, and I didn't write any of it, but I sure I helped him make all of them that I sat there with. I could go on and on. I have opinions and people like it, and I'm not afraid to be wrong. And I know I'm never right. I just see things at that moment. And the book, Highways of Man, what I was saying to you, I showed you how society is controlled by people that manipulate you. And then I go into a rock and roll's guide to higher consciousness. What a great book. I, I walk you through my growing up, how I discovered all this. It's on Spotify. I give it away to you. You can hear it. And then I go to spiritual insomnia. It's like, okay, I, I couldn't become the U.S. representative of the, uh, I couldn't be Ernest Hemingway. All right, I won't be Ernest Hemingway. He lived in Key West. I love Key West. I ended up living in Cuba producing music. And I had a blast down there. And there are posters there, some Michat for Senate. You know, and it's, it's funny when you see it. But we hate Cuba because it's now part of the International Monetary Fund. And now we're going to have a problem because Venezuela apparently had legal elections and now the United States has to backtrack on us hating Venezuela. You know, okay, now what do we do? And then after I wrote that, I started writing Colonization of Earth, The Making of Mankind. It's about the Anakis in the film, N-E-F-E-L-I-U-M. Look it up. It's all over the Bible. Where'd they get those books from? I read the books that make the books. I may change that name in round two to Unraveling the Bible. Then book three, I got, came down with COVID, and I'm like, I'm sick of this shit. And I wrote that book about Ozzy Osbourne that you have, you just showed me. That book tells you how, I give you the wherewithal of how Sharon tried to stop the truth from coming out. And I give you the history of Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. What's even more interesting than that is the, um, I guess, the history of myths and yeah. the history of deities and gods. And it's fascinating stuff. Fascinating it's, stuff. And yeah. And he's, his concerts are druid ceremonies. When he was going crazy, he knew what he was doing. And then from there, we wrote the history of viruses and their effects on mankind. I heard my head was pounding. They're not telling you the truth. They're poisoning Mother Earth. They're poisoning it. The GMOs, they're poisoning Earth. Do your research. Look up the history of all viruses. I give you a history of viruses for 13,000 years. They're all married to increasing agricultural production by introducing new elements to the Earth. That was balanced before mankind got there. And then after that, I wrote 
I wrote, taking Jesus off the cross, I was finally able to finish it because no one interfered with me. And at the same time, I wrote, we got to get out of this place. And that one took me longer because I had to really just make it so, okay, you're telling me that there's energies from beyond that I could go here, I could go there. I'm like, yeah, not everyone's going to listen to me, but at least I put it out there so you could read it. So maybe in your 30s, you go, he's fucking nuts to get my language. But you know something? There's something cool in it because it's all married to music. It's music songs everywhere because I'm a musical note. I'm that particle. That's why music works. If I could hit your heart, you're going to buy it. And the truth is women like more music than men. So what I've learned in my life is if a woman likes a song, you got a chance at it. If they smile <laughs> at the song. I've heard I, mean, that. I mean, most of us buy music because we're with some lady, someone that we want to just have the aura of romance or or we are fortunate enough to have found our Wendy's, my Debbie. And you got it at that moment. You know, I've had many women and, you know, I, I honor all the women I've been with, but they just weren't able to help me complete whatever reason this Peter Pan came to earth. And I think I've completed it. And I thank you guys for your time. And if you have other questions, whatever, fire away. I like have we're in a Q and A. Yeah, before you before you uh, you leave us or whatever, I because this is something that I've been fascinated by lately, especially lately, and I've been learning so much about it through researching it in documentaries, et cetera, et cetera. And there's some people that believe that the Roman Empire really never ceased to exist; it's just continued on through various powers, and you know, it's the, called the IMF. Okay, uh, yeah, okay. There, this is what I'm getting I at. I totally agree with you. So it's it's, it's still they're still operating, but it's under different. Uh, and the symbolism is there. That's the thing too. If you're paying attention, a lot of this stuff is hidden in plain sight, and that's what that what irks me and also fascinates me as a society. We don't see it. We're so we're so manipulated and so blinded, uh, and 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 that's the thing too about you know social media and all this information that we hold in the palm of our hands. It should make us more intelligent. But for a lot of people, it's dumbing us down and, and indoctrinating us and sort of um, allowing that narrative to stay. And we are so controlled through these devices. We bow to them every single day. But for me, it's just the, the deeper I get, the more research I do. You know, these world powers that rise and fall, you know, you talk about the Byzantine and the, you know, the Persians, I mean, all these big, huge power. And I feel like the Roman Empire was this, this massive force. And people think Rome burned and it fell and it was dissipated, but I truly am starting to realize that it never really fell. It just kind of spread out. No, the government fell, but the church became the Roman Empire and it was run just like the Roman Empire. And they had the consigulatories. You have the Eastern Orthodox Church when they had their division in 1066. You have Charlemagne who gets appointed. The Holy Roman Empire, it's not holy, it's not Roman, and it's not an empire. You know, it's they all got together. What flipped me out was I was raised believing England wasn't part of that scam. And then I found out that George I, right, what is this? He, he was a protector. He was protectorate of the Holy Roman Empire. He got the vote for the Holy Roman Empire. Britain lost that right when Victoria took over. And by then it was too late anyway because Napoleon smashed it. But then they had the Austrian-Hungarian Empire and the Vatican's never gone away. Mm. They put together the Nazis. And no, I don't care what anyone says to me. They put it together. They were in there and then they, the Vatican knows how to tag you and hide. 
They play chess with you. You're their pawns and they move it. And they kept it alive. And the, the, it went from, if you read my book, Book One of Earth, I show you how the Egyptian empire became and how they like fighting each other in a checker game. So they had to have a counterpoint. Well, who's the counterpoint? Oh, we're going to have the Babylonian empire, the Assyrian empire. The Greek empire was all thought. And Alexander gets in there and he dies and whatever happens, happens. The Romans come and eat him up alive. And now you're stuck with the Indian empire. You're stuck with the Chinese empire. These were empires. And then you have what's called the dark ages where you weren't allowed to read or write unless you were a bishop or a Hebrew now called a Jew. The Jews read the Bible. You know, the bishops were taught to read. And the ones that went up in the hierarchy read the secret language called Latin, which is a derivative of Greek. And the Holy Roman Empire tried to kill off the Greeks in 1066. And in my book, Act 13 of Book 2, I show you the whole story. I show you why they created the Islamic Empire, because these clans were going to kill each other. So playing chess, they put a block there to stop the Eastern Orthodox Church from coming in, to stop the Roman Church, which they didn't do too successfully. They had their crusades where they came across and they killed everything, anything and everything. All we do is kill each other to control each other. We say we do it so you can experience love. The easiest <laughs> thing to do is share. Yes. You learn how to share. No one needs, you know, agriculture should be free. You, if that's what you want to do, society should pay you to grow it, not to go sit there and do other stuff with it. I wrote that in my book, The Highways of Man. In the conclusion, man, community, and living the American dream. I guess in a nutshell, what I'm realizing is that's my epitaph. That's my thesis on, on mankind's life. Like they tell you America's the greatest nation in the world. No, it's not. We killed anything that didn't agree with us. We did it in the name of Christ. I got involved in a movie in Mexico called The Other, Con the Other Conquest. So anyway, the Vatican's come. They're wearing their suits of silver. They smell. They don't take baths because they didn't know that Black Death was not in that water. It was in other polluted waters. That's why they didn't take it. That's why the French wear so much perfume. And the thing never went away. That's how they bathed. They were scared to bathe. And then polio comes out of the water. It's insane when you put this all together. It's so easy to fix it. You learn to share. And if someone wants more, if someone wants to be the biggest, best songwriter ever, go do it. But you can't take the necessities and say, I own it, make it scarce. And now you have to suck my wind or you don't get it. Are you kidding me? You know, and the it's the energies are endless. We could live on solar power, not nuclear power, because nuclear power may heat up our earth and end it. You want to fix the carbon property problem? That's easy. Plant trees. Well, how about polluting earth, which is part of the climate control problem? How do you take down all the trees in different nations like Australia, like the Japanese go in and buy up all the trees in Australia? That's one of the most outrageous stories I've seen. Their waterfalls change. It gets hotter in that desert. Grass green. If you have trees, it makes it rain. They make water. It's a partnership, plants and animals and fungi, which also gives rise to viruses. And I fight with every scientist I know that has controlled thought. A virus is a living organism. A living organism is one that needs to reproduce. It has a consciousness. It reproduces. That's what animals do. But we, we don't get it. We come here to live a physical life where we can feel, touch, see, hear, and taste in physical form, forgetting that we're from somewhere else. 
And instead of honoring the ability for the three of us to talk and to have other people listening, up, wow. Or like, are they nuts? But that's sharing truth, you know, and just let the energies come into you, hear what we're saying and just go from there. Yeah. You know? all, I think it's all about letting go of the fear of being wrong. And yeah, be- yeah. And to be open to continue to evolve as a as a human being, as a spirit, as bro. An to yeah. Bro. yeah. So for uh, there's so much I could I mean I could le- legitimately keep you on here for hours, but maybe just because I love happy, I ending. could definitely talk for hours too. <laughs> I love happy. <laughs> I, I just want to ask you, you know, for someone who's seeing the way we talked about, you know, the the Vatican and the the control of language and Latin and how you know, how religion would have someone who was the mouthpiece that would say the things before the written word was in people's hands, right? So you could easily manipulate and control people by using that person to say things from the pulpit or whatever. And now I feel like with with censorship, with the way that things are going with, with our information and our search engines and like how many things are, again, hidden in plain sight, we're being censored on a whole other level lately. Where, where's, where's, is there a positive takeover to all, us as a human race? Where are we heading? And how, as a listener, anyone's paying attention right now, how can we contribute to, to love and to positive force? And how can we make a good, a good positive difference for the future? I could teach you two questions that I ask myself. When I listen to someone talk to me, I am ask, I'm asking myself, are they sharing information with me? Or are they controlling the dissemination of the information so they can control me. Are they asking me to give away my powers to them? Or are they telling me they're going to build a better, more equally divided society? And the one thing I tell people that worship money and property more than they do people, the people will always be there for them. Taste change. Things go wrong if you're gambling where other people control your monies. You could buy all the stock you want. They make money on the ups and downs. You better watch it because if you don't learn how to take care of yourself and take care of your body, you could have all the money in the world. It doesn't matter. If you sit there and only work with people that can make you money instead of share with you stuff, that's why I love sports. You could have the 10 highest players or 11 on your soccer team. If they're not a team, that's not going to win. You know, the Yankees taught that to people in the 80s. I'm a Yankee fan. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's true. You need a team. You need a team to win. What's the game? What's the game? Well, the game of life is to survive for as long as you can and to have a society where everyone wakes up in the morning and says, man, great to be alive again. If you could get your nation to say that, if you could get a nation to sit there and create things, like they have this big climate summit in in, uh, whatever, Scotland, what is that about? That's all about money. No one's sitting there telling you we polluted earth and it's making poison that we can't breathe. That virus is now part of the composition of air. And it comes out when you're, I said it earlier, when you're seeding the earth and when you're plowing the earth. And it's all genetically modified new energies that the earth doesn't reproduce. And what it does is it goes, and that goes in the air and it's part of this virus that will get in your body. And the truth is the virus, it can't kill everyone. So we just got to deal with it. If it kills everyone, then the virus didn't do too good in natural selection because the virus can't walk on its own. Mm. And when I told you earlier, when they said that mankind has 230 different genes, 
the scientists actually said that a mosquito bit someone and that mosquito did a horizontal transfer of those genes. The mosquito was the Anakis. If you read that book, all the pictures are there. I've been everywhere. If you want to see something outrageous, just like listeners, if you have a moment, look up L-O-N-G-Y-O-U caves. I ask you to tell me where that came from. It's in China. You go there, it's like, what is this? There's so much more that goes on. It's all particles. It's all energies. And that's what we are. Mm. We're energies living in this body that we borrowed from Mother Earth. And when we die, we ascend or we reincarnate and Mother Earth gets the body back. Your body starts living again and disintegrates back in the Earth. Yeah, because energy can be neither created or destroyed. So it carries Except on. at absolute zero. Mm. It's frozen. But if you unfreeze it, <laughs> hello, new thought, and here we go again. It will never end. Wow, mind-blowing stuff. <laughs> nice one, Stephen. What's been great. What What's you in your hat? It's a, it's a teddy bear fishing with a rod. <laughs> it's very cool. You've never seen that, have you? <laughs> no, they, they usually do it with their paws. <laughs> yeah, mate, this has been so much fun as I knew it would be. And uh yeah, you've have you got nine books is number ten, the one you're about to release? Yes. But there's plenty to work our way through. Um we'll link up your website and stuff on the episode and um you'll definitely have to come on again in a year yeah. or so and and we'll go in on a another round of yeah, deep dive historical avenues and alleyways it's been so it's so 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 informative and so inspiring what, al what album is the first album behind you on your right on that bookshelf first album hey, yeah. yeah that is a booker t and the mg's best of it's very cool 1960s were they a band you ever came across or were they one of the two or three yep. that you didn't <laughs> i didn't come across them i did I did by accident many years later when I lived in Nashville, but they were right out of Memphis. Yeah. They were great. Yeah. I love the James Brown stuff. Um, you know, he's such an interesting character to me and yeah, like you were saying, <laughs> I don't know whether I can say this on the air. I might as well. It's in your book, but Stephen talks about how the energy that he had on stage was perhaps in, in certain part down to the fact that he would sneak off, take a huge hit on a crack pipe and then run back out on stage. <laughs> And so when you're watching him do all those laps, you're like, oh, wow, this guy's made of some, you know, pretty high power energy. And yeah, a little bit of that is probably down the crack by cocaine. The way, by the way, no, he was freebasing that crack. This was right. a couple of years before it. Right. But what I wrote in the book there, I'm so stupid. I went to stop the nonsense. And Al Sharpton, the Reverend Al Sharpton was feeding it to him. Right. And I'm like, and Al Sharpton used to work for me. One of the worst things I've ever done. I assume he's grown up and it's not different. I'm so stupid. I went there to stop it. So he comes off stage. We're backstage. It's it's J breakfast with James at 6 a.m. in the, basically the theater district of New York. He looks at me and he goes, Stevie, it's okay. It's okay. I can do this. Don't worry about me. And he says to me, you should only look like and have my energy when you're my age. He was in his 50s then. I just walked away like scratching my head going, whatever. At least I did something I thought I needed to do. 
part times with him, I loved him. He taught me how to sell bootleg copies. Right. I'm, the song Papa's Got a Brand New Bag, he mm -hmm. comes to our house and he's got he's got all the CDs in the back of the car. <laughs> and he says to my father, he goes, I'm going to teach Stevie the business. Can I borrow him? So I'm like, I think I'm cool as cool could be. I'm in his Cadillac. And we go down there to the uh, distributor and he had a box of them and he was selling them for, I think, 12 cents a copy when they cost 49 cents. So the retail price would have been 24 and a half cents. He sold it to him at half. This guy, he parted with 10,000 copies then, which was basically income tax evasion. I couldn't believe it. A proper hustler. <laughs> oh, and I'm a quick read. I could read it quick. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the Phil, the Phil Spector stories were absolutely insane as well. I mean, was he just... Was he an evil dude, a creative genius, but an evil man? The answer is yeah. By the way, if you reverse evil, E-V-I-L-L-I-V-E, -E, you live. There wow. you go. Yeah. If we could reverse it, you live. I mean, and the stuff he would do, I, I couldn't believe. And because I couldn't believe it, he didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Because he would have had to go really far to make me show an emotion because I didn't. I'm looking like, what are you doing? I feel like we could have you on f and talk about music like this. You got to come back on. I, I, there's so much more. Let's that figure it out. Go through God's gangsters in honor and yeah. ask me questions about that. Yeah, this is great. by the way, life is rock and roll. A rocker is someone that will make things happen. You got the energy to make it happen. The most important person you could ever meet in your life is if you're a rocker is the roller who could stand with you when you make that new earthquake. Most people are like, where are you? <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you told me to do this. I did it. Where are you? And now I'm standing here all along, taking all the bullets. And never be afraid of what people call you. Sticks and stones may break your bones, mm. but those names will never harm you. Mm. Be strong. Be, be brave. Love it. Rock and roll, Stephen. You're the yeah. man. Thank all you, dude. No, thank you. Oh, last question. I guess shut it off or whatever. It's not a bad one. How do we hear this? Are you going to send? You'll let me know when it's on and up. Yeah, it'll be up next week. We'll get you a YouTube link, Spotify link. It'll be on visual and audio, and uh, it'll be up next Sunday. So, well, this Sunday. It'll be up this Sunday, this week. Straight away. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, thank you for doing what you do. I can't wait to dive into some of your books and just continue to evolve as a human. I appreciate it. Hey, any help I could be, it's like December 5th. That's the star behind you. Do you know why a star is so special? No. Because one part of it's your head, the other part's your two arms, and the other part's your two legs. Love it. It's perfect. Each and every one of us is a star. Just learn how to live with the light and don't let any darkness take you over. Just shine on. Thank you all so much. Thank Mike you, Stephen. Love it, man. Thanks so much, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you.
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.